I'm producer Aaron Meyer. You're listening to 19.9 Shorts, a fast break style lesson in hardwood history. When it comes to multi-sport athletes, there are a few names that come to mind. There's Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders, and even Charlie Ward. Deion Sanders is the only player to play in both the Super Bowl and the World Series. And Bo Jackson is the only player to play in both the NFL and Major League Baseball All-Star Game, winning the MVP in the Major League Baseball game. And Charlie Ward is the only Heisman winner ever to play in the NBA. But there's one guy that many people never seem to talk about, Danny Ainge. A complimentary piece on two NBA championship teams, a title-winning NBA executive. Danny Ainge is more than that, much more. On this edition of 199 Shorts, the Chucker, 199's resident historian, dives into Ainge's standout collegiate career at BYU and why Ainge might be the best three-sport athlete in modern sports history. Most basketball fans know Danny Ainge in one of two ways. Number one, Ainge the solid NBA pro. Over a 14-year NBA career, Ainge averaged 11.5 points per game, made one all-star team, and won two NBA titles with the Boston Celtics. Or, number two, Ainge the NBA executive. From 2003 to 2021, Ainge directed the Celtics front office, earning the nickname Trader Danny in the process. Most notably, he helped deliver Boston its 17th banner in 2008, following ambitious trades for Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen. Ainge now oversees basketball operations for the Utah Jazz. But before Ainge engaged in epic Celtics-Lakers clashes during the 1980s, and long before he fleeced the Brooklyn Nets in a trade for the ages, Ainge started Brigham Young University. Be greeted by 23,000 fans who are already at a fever pitch. We've been out there for a moment. We saw faces painted in many ways, and we saw a strange lunch sack. Because Dan Ainge is going to eat Pace Mannion's lunch today. After a standout prep career at North Eugene High in Oregon, where Ainge was a parade All-American in basketball and baseball, as well as an All-State receiver in football, Ainge traveled to Provo and immediately made an impact for the Cougars. While the team stumbled through a 12-18 and 18 campaign during Ainge's first year on campus, Ainge himself averaged 21 points per game as a freshman. Over the next two seasons, Ainge led the Cougars to 44 wins and a pair of WAC titles. BYU also made back-to-back appearances in the NCAA tournament for only the third time in program history. It was during Ainge's final season in Prova, however, that he crafted enduring memories and propelled BYU to new heights. He blitzed Utah State for 39 points and torched Wyoming for 40. In the regular season finale, Ainge dropped 35 points on ninth-ranked Utah in the 95-76 Holy War victory for the Cougars. At season's end, Ainge was named a first-team All-American, joining Ralph Sampson of Virginia, Indiana guard Isaiah Thomas, and forwards Kelly Trapuca of Notre Dame and Mark Aguirre of DePaul. BYU head coach Frank Arnold called Ainge the most complete, versatile collegiate guard he had ever worked with in 25 years of coaching. Earning a number six seed in the 1981 NCAA tournament, BYU traveled across the country to Providence, Rhode Island. After dispatching Princeton 60-51 the opening round, Ainge led the Cougars against mighty UCLA. On 22 shots, Ainge scored 37 points, and BYU dismantled UCLA 78-55. There's no doubt that the young man has a special gift, UCLA coach Larry Brown said of Ainge. 
In a Sweet 16 slugfest against second seed in Notre Dame, Ainge authored what many BYU fans consider the most iconic play in BYU hoops history. With eight seconds left, Ainge took the inbounds pass 85 feet from the basket and weaved through the Irish defense before dropping in a layup over 6'9 Orlando Woolridge. And I remember him saying, he goes, we've got this. Like, they are playing right into our hands. Here's the famous Danny Ainge coast-to-coast drive. 15 seconds to play. Notre Dame has to do something different. Sensational. Trafalgar stop with nine seconds. Notre Dame ahead by one. And there are eight seconds to go. Ainge against Paxson. Five seconds. Inside. Ainge scores with two seconds. One second on the clock. It is all over. It is all over. But it looked like Notre Dame was going to have Kelly Trapuca as the hero. The what hero's a great banner drive, is man. lost by Notre Dame. And the hero's banner goes to Danny Ainge. Frank Arnold and Brigham Young have won this glamour game 51 to 50. And Danny Ainge took that ball from one end of the floor, went between three Notre Dame players, once behind his back, laid it in up over Woolridge. What a great basketball play. It feels great. You know, I think we played a really good game. We played good team ball. Uh, everybody participated tonight at one end of the quarter or another, and, and this feels really good. BYU's 51-50 upset win over Notre Dame gave the Cougars their first and still only Elite Eight appearance. We wanted to control Ainge, and we did that until the last eight seconds, a dejected Notre Dame coach Digger Phelps said post game. We knew he was going to get the ball but he's just too good an athlete. He just took it down the floor and right through five people. What a great play at the end. Here he goes between, behind his back, between three players, into the middle of the lane, changes direction, up over Woolridge. What a basketball play. Perhaps right. the highlight of the college basketball this year. And here's the dejection of Kelly Trapuca. This shows the full story and the impact of the Notre Dame defeat. While Ainge's BYU career would end in the Elite Eight against Big Ralph in Virginia, Ainge cemented his place in BYU lore and carved his name into the NCAA record books in the process. The 1981 Wooden Award winner is the nation's top player. Ainge completed his collegiate career on a run of 112 consecutive double-digit scoring games. His 2,467 points, all accomplished before the arrival of the three-point line, were all-time career scoring records for both BYU and the Western Athletic Conference. If I could make a living playing college basketball, I'd do it, Ainge said at the conclusion of his BYU career. It was a noteworthy comment given that Ainge actually did make a living doing something else while starring for BYU. In the summers of 1979 and 1980, in fact, Ainge played in 125 games for the Toronto Blue Jays. Many scouts considered him destined for stardom in that sport. Though Ainge considered baseball his future, the curveball and the mystique of the Boston Celtics pushed him to basketball. In 2003, BYU retired Ainge's number 22 jersey. He was the first men's basketball player in BYU history to receive that honor. It turns out the Danny Ainge you don't know was perhaps the Danny Ainge most worth knowing. For 19.9, I'm the Chucker. After listening to the Chuckers telling of Danny Ainge at BYU, I'd really like to know what people think. Is he the greatest multi-sport athlete in modern sports history? He had an amazing NBA career. He had a chance to be a major league baseball player. 
in high school, he was an all American in three sports. And just think about that, the accomplishment in, in 1981, uh, when the shot is, is hit when he's at BYU, you know, the years before that, uh, it seems like forever ago. And it is, it's a long time ago, but it's not like the level of athlete or the commitment to sport wasn't there in that time and place. I mean, you've got, got guys like Ralph Sampson, who is basically Victor Wembenyama uh, in, a, in a different era. Uh, he could do everything. He was more than seven feet tall. So he's on, he's on an All-American team with guys like that. John Paxson, uh, Woolridge, T- Kelly Trapuca, who averaged 26 points a game in the NBA. So he's going up against guys who are legitimate NBA all-stars or elite athletes. Five, they had five first-round NBA draft picks. Tracy Jackson, uh, who the Celtics drafted. Um, they had Joe Klein. But that game was interesting because, like, we couldn't guard Woldridge and Trapuca. They were good. And, uh, you know, no, no coincidence, those guys were both – uh, Kelly, I think, averaged 26 and a half points a game in the NBA era that we think of today. But it's also not, uh, you know, the the era that people kind of disparage where the level of athleticism and the commitment to the game is not the same. Guys dribbling with one hand, taking set shots like it, it looks like modern NBA basketball. They don't have all the trappings of it. They don't play the same style that we play today, but they have the skill level that is apparent and would translate to today's game. And on top of that, he is this major league baseball prospect and he wasn't even considering going to the NBA. He drops in the NBA draft because it is assumed that he's going to go play for the Toronto Blue Jays. He's that good at baseball that he's considering eschewing what would become uh, an amazing NBA career and translate into his lifelong career career as he's an executive still today to play major league baseball. So he must've not only loved the game, but also been unbelievable at it to, to even consider not going to the NBA. And that's how he ends up with the Celtics. And he says that that's the only team he would have played for. And, and you could see why he would want to play on that Celtics team with bird, McHale, Parrish, you know, all, all of the legends that they had at the time, but it is such an interesting thing to, t- to think about. And then on top of that, he's this incredible football player. We talk about Jalen Suggs pretty, pretty recently, or even Allen Iverson, who was a football and uh, basketball phenom. Uh, but to add that third sport <laughs> to in there, uh, it's something that in a different era did happen all the time. Today's athletes do tend to focus more on a single sport uh, and and to spend year round on that sport, but to be as good as he was at three different sports takes a level of dedication and an innate ability that is pretty incredible and maybe unrivaled. You know, you had the names that I named before, and they're certainly worthy of, of discussion. Especially Bo Jackson, who had his career not been cut short by injury, would most certainly have been. Uh, in the Hall of Fame for one of those one of those sports, but the other guys, Deion Sanders and and Charlie Ward, had you know memorable but ultimately um, not not Hall of Fame careers, and and neither did Ainge. But you, you wonder um, if any of those guys had focused on one sport, does that elevate them, or is there just something about? playing different sports that helped them get to their ultimate destinations where all those guys became incredible 
uh, in an area, Dion most memorably in, in football, I think, and Charlie Ward in the NBA, just a steady hand. Bo Jackson, even after, you know, having his hip reconstructed, winning, you know, the all-star game in baseball, pretty incredible uh, guy to even watch today. We've had a ton of interesting content lately. If you haven't checked out the other shorts that uh, the Chucker's been doing, I've really been enjoying putting those together and listening to his spoken word and history about these subjects. We did something on the aircraft carrier. We've uh, done some on Kentucky, on some of the Kentucky teams and their shorts. And we've also had some uh, interesting discussions with uh, more personalities. Lee Ellis, if you haven't picked up on that one, I've been following him all over uh, Europe as he does his outdoor playground kind of tour, 20 countries and 20 different courts. And they have been incredible. It's put uh, put uh, courts on my bucket list where I'm like, I have to get there someday as well. And that's what the, the best uh, of you know basketball content does is that it inspires you uh, it takes you out of the day-to-day world for just a little bit and and brings a spark uh, and entertains you. Uh, I hope that you're enjoying this. I hope that everyone has a, a, has had a great Thanksgiving uh, break and that you can listen to this as you travel. And we look forward to more episodes coming soon. All right. Like, we're actually ahead in this game. Now we just be 18 feet and drains it. And now there's eight seconds left in the game. My whole purpose was to get the ball down the court as quick as I could try to create a double team and find the open man that's what I did I ran around caught the ball dribbled up the court and as I dribbled up the court they you know I was going full speed so it was hard for them to put the trap and I was weaving in and out the court and got all the way to the rim and 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 shot a little finger roll up over Woldridge and the game was over and that was just a unbelievable unbelievable game (laughs) 